All those who are holding tickets outside will get in as fast as they can. I'm speaking not to you, ladies and gentlemen, but I'm speaking to the crowd on the outside who seem to be standing rather reluctant to come in, and we're going to start this very soon. Welcome back to Worthy. My name is John. And I'm Ben. And today we're dealing with a special bonus episode. It's the 94th Academy Awards, and the nominations have just been released two days ago, so we thought we'd sit down just like we did last year for the 93rd nominations and just basically go through review. What we'll do is basically give a pick from me and also a pick from Ben in terms of our favorites for that specific category, and then we'll also kind of suggest who we'll actually think will win or who maybe is most likely to win. So the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences will honor the best films released between March 1st and to March and to December 31st of 2021. And this is the 94th Academy Awards, and they will air on Sunday, March 27th. So where we should start is in the very, very back, the awards that no one really talks about, a lot of people don't really care about, but we find that it's necessary to at least mention or speak about these awards just like we would in any of our actual episodes of Worthy. So starting out, we have the Governor's Award, which we finally get an Oscar for Samuel L. Jackson. He's 73 years old. And from what I've seen in research, there's not been many mentions. I think I saw two articles maybe about how he's going to get an honorary award, probably because people don't really care that much about these honorary awards, but that's huge. It's really awesome to see Samuel L. Jackson getting nominated. Any any thoughts on that, Ben? Yeah, it's funny because you're giving the exact reaction that I have, which is like, oh, cool. Now he gets an honorary award. But every time we go through these honorary awards and, and past ceremonies, it's kind of just a gloss over. And, you know, I know we've gone back and forth with some where some years it's like, well, maybe they should have got the competitive Oscar. But this is great. I love Samuel L. Jackson. I guess still for me, it's like, like it, it's a, it's a, you get an Oscar statue, but is it, are you like an Academy Award winner, Samuel L. Jackson? I don't think that actually is how it applies still. You know, I don't know. I would, I would say you are Academy Award winner, Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, uh, we were kind of talking about this off mic, but in a way, to me, this is almost a bigger award. And personally, if I was in this position, I, I, honestly, it's a big stretch. Obviously, I'm not Samuel L. Jackson, but if I was in this position getting an honorary award, I mean, it's showing a legacy of your career, which I think is more impactful than really just one single Oscar for one role. And I think we've seen that, especially for a lot of actors who get nominated once. They get one actor and then they won't get one Oscar and then they kind of move on. And maybe that kind of defines their career in a way that just like that's their one performance. That's, you know, Willie Stark. That's the one person that he played and that's who we know him for. And that's whoever he'll be. You mean Roger Crawford as Willie Stark? Yes. Thank you. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. The character Willie Stark is what he'll be remembered for. In a way, this is bigger and it's an honorary for just his career. And it was kind of insane to see that he's only been nominated once for Pulp Fiction as Jules. And yeah, just shout out to Samuel Jackson. This is so well deserved. And it's kind of crazy that he's only been nominated once so far. Yeah, absolutely nuts. But uh, it's just sometimes how it goes. And I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like, the other movies that like I would have been like, oh, Samuel L. Jackson, like, you deserve a nomination or a win for that. I, I Jackie Brown is one that sticks out to my yeah, like, for me. That's like, actor, sure. yeah. And I'm trying to think of like Oscar movies because obviously like he's great in all the in the Marvel movies. And but that I mean, obviously, Marvel movies get no love from the Oscars, which deserved not deservedly So it's up for everyone's yeah. you know, judgment. And I think we're definitely going to get there. Um, but yeah, but some other honorary awards being given out. There's another one given out to Elaine May, a legendary Jewish uh, com- comedic actress, writer, and director. We also have Liv Ullman, who is a Norwegian actress and film director, and recognized as one of the greatest European actresses. Ullman is known as the muse and frequent partner 
of filmmaker Ingmar Bergman and the Gene Herschel Humanitarian Award is going to Danny Glover, which uh, let's go Danny Glover. It's awesome. Also so well deserved. And that's such a great honorary award. I mean, that's interesting. I wonder specifically why he's nominated for the Humanitarian Award. I wonder specifically what he's done maybe in the industry or maybe outside of the industry, but it's cool. I mean, Danny Glover getting nominated, getting respect from the Academy. We love to see that. So I think where we should move on from here is first mentioned that the top three nominations or who, what films have the top three nominations. Number one, we have power of the dog coming in with 12 nominations. We have Dune at 10 and then in third for top nominations tied at seven each. We have Belfast and West side story. So just a quick nom- kind of summary of that. It's Power of the Dog leading the nominations with 10 or 12 and Dune right behind it at 10. Uh, so we're going to go through all the categories. There may be a couple that we don't uh, speak on too directly. Ben and I are not big documentarian people. We haven't really watched any of those films. So we'll probably skip that. Uh, the first category we here have we have here is Best Live Action Short Film. And again, we haven't seen any other any of these films. I was actually looking at this this nomination list, and I saw Riz Ahmed nominated, and I was like, I had no idea. Like, what is he a filmmaker? Is he a director? I thought he was just an artist, a musician, an actor. Turns out he's in this role uh, of playing a character in The Long Goodbye, which is a short film that's nominated, and that's the only short film that I've watched. It was really interesting. Highly recommend it. You can find it on YouTube. It's The Long Goodbye. Yeah, I usually wait for like those uh, those like screeners and at movie theaters where they show yeah. yeah they show like all five all at once. So I'm definitely gonna get around to to watch them now that I know who the nominees are. But it's so hard to I think watch short films throughout the year and be like oh they're that, hard to find. Oh, they're no, so hard. yeah. It's funny because it's always a trend that these short films are always like incredibly dark, and maybe one or two will be thrown in that's more like lighthearted, sweet. It's about children or something like that, but. The majority and the long goodbye, the one film that I watched, is so incredibly dark and tragic. And I then think that's kind of to get the point across. You're trying to send some sort of message in like 10 or 15 minutes. There usually have to be something gut gut wrenching or a kind of gut punch to the gut. So yeah, let's move on to best visual effects. All right, Ben, tell me what do you think is gonna what is your pick first, and then tell me what do you think is gonna win for best visual effects. So my pick is is Dune, and I think Dune is gonna have a big showing uh, at the Oscars. And to me, the creation of like there there are a few uh, space shots that they show like out uh, like uh, outer planet of Arrakis, I guess is what you could call it, and it's <laughs> it's fucking just great. It's great, and and just the whole world building that like. That they did with with the entire film, I I think, I think it's the safest pick. I think it's the one that most people, because you know, you know, the Oscars are never gonna pick like Spider Man. I don't think Spider Man or like Shang Chi are gonna get it because it's just action and CGI over the place. They don't go for those types of movies. You know, I they've given it like recent years to like First Man, like Ex Machina. So like, and I think Blade Runner twenty forty nine even got best visual effects, which was a shocker. So I think it's gonna be Dune. It. It's the sci-fi. It's it's subtle. It's not too much in your face. It's exactly the right amount for the Oscar voters. Yeah, I do think it's going to be Dune as well. I think it's going to really kind of sweep in the technical categories. I think No Time to Die, honestly, has a chance of kind of coming in from behind just because I think it's that more grounded special effects that you kind of have to make it feel real and lived in. But also Dune felt like, you know, photorealistic at times. So it's such impress- impressive visual effects. But actually, my pick of my favorite visual effects, really curveball here, I don't think many people would agree, is Free Guy. And I thought Free Guy was 
incredible, not just in terms of its special effects, but I just found the movie so charming and heartwarming. But when it comes to the special effects, I was blown away by the way they were able to create these two different worlds, creating special effects inside of this kind of video game GTA style. And it, it showed as if it was a real world in a video game, but it also looked very photorealistic. It felt like Ryan Reynolds actually walking through this virtual world. world. And it was so impressive to me that from that, that kind of contrast, the way they used it in the story and the way it kind of contrasted throughout, I thought was really, really impressive. So, but who I actually think is going to win, like Ben said in his pick, I think it's going to be Dune for sure. All right, let's move on to best production design where we have Dune, Nightmare Alley, The Power of the Dog, The the Tragedy of Macbeth, and The West Side Story. Yeah, I went back and forth between Dune and Tragedy of Macbeth for this one. I love Tragedy of Macbeth. I think the whole look and the minimalistic approach that that Joel Cohen had to it is was beyond impressive. I, I think it's a beautiful looking film and I think it's actually overlooked in many ways, but I'm going to go with Dune again here. I think again, Ooh. I think it's the world building. I think it's part of me thinks that the Oscars are, and I'm not saying that this is Lord of the Rings. I'm just saying they're treating it like a Lord of the Rings that maybe they're waiting for the next movie to really give it some more awards. That's where he'll get his best nom. I, best director well, we'll nom, get there yeah. when we get to, to <laughs> you know, we're going to get there. But I think that this is another technical uh, category. I think it's going to win. it. I think building the world and, and bringing uh, that whole world of Dune to life is was beyond impressive. So I think Dune's going to take this one. I think that's a great choice. I mean, I can't argue with that. The, the otherworldly design and it still felt like these were humans, but intermixed with like technology and these kind of otherworldly creatures but it all felt so grounded and and everything felt believable i mean the amount of sand they must have gotten (laughs) (laughs) yeah gallons and gallons of sand yeah that's that's honestly a pretty interesting point though i mean a lot of the movie does play take place in the desert so just as like a question like what is the production design to that obviously that we're excluding makeup and hair sawing. This is kind of limited to just the actual set design production right so 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 what i think makes it similar to lord of the rings is that when Lord of the Rings, you know, came out, everyone was like, holy shit, you brought the world to life. And it, it's a world that looks lived in and looks yeah. used and it makes sense of how it actually works. And when you watch Dune, you see you see Arrakis and you just see this whole city in, in the desert. And you're like, oh, my God, like that. Yeah. Like, like that feels real. That feels lived in. It feels like this was here for thousands and thousands of years. So definitely. So to me, like that, like that's what makes it stand out very Lord of the Rings esque. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, and you have the aspects that are shot on location. I forget where they Tunisia or something like that. Yeah, like Star Wars did. But we also have, like you said, the I mean, the beautiful designs of their houses and the difference between these two houses and the 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 not the special effects, but like the design comes from the production design. Uh, for those vehicles, like really amazing kind of vehicles and weapons and all the weird stuff that you see from Arrakis. Yeah, and, and one thing, a callback to our like top 10 films of 2021, I specifically talked about the bull mo- uh, motif in Dune. Yeah. I still don't know what the bull means, and I think that I'm going to get my answer when it wins the Oscar. I hope so. I, I hope, hope so. so. <laughs> all righty. I picked Nightmare Alley, and... You may see this film pop up a lot for me. It's one of my favorite of the year. Maybe my favorite live action movie of the year now that I've seen it twice and I've sat with it longer. But, I mean, absolutely incredible. There's not a single frame in Nightmare Alley where it doesn't feel like it's the nineteen late 1940s, early 50s. It really feels so of the time. I've now seen the movie two times in theaters in color and in black and white. 
And when your production design works that well in both black and white and color, like you got something that's working no matter like what, you know, the film that could be out of focus and you'd probably still appreciate the amazing production design in this movie. And the movie is interesting because it takes place half basically in the circus and then the other half is is much higher class shot in Pittsburgh. It's, it's, it's much grander and it's supposed to be more elegant. And that contrast right there is, is phenomenal. I mean, the circus feels so like nasty and slimy and lived in and really feels like it's alive. And God damn, what an impressive movie all around. I pick Nightmare Alley. Ben, do you think Dune's going to actually take this? I, I think Dune is actually going to take this. And I, and I do like the Nightmare Alley pick, but I will say that, you know, Del Toro, you know, The Shape of Water did take in the production design category of the year that it won Best Picture. Uh, you know, I think that might weigh in some people's minds. And, and and I don't think it's a criticism, but I do think that Del Toro has a signature look and style where I feel like the the Academy voters may be like, yeah, it's great, but it feels sort of in the same vein as The Shape of Water. And, that, and that's not to say that it's similar movies. I think that just that grittiness and the way Del Toro crafts his work is very similar and, and that's just his style. But I think that Dune bring, brought something to life. But honestly, I, I'm now just even thinking about it and, and I'm still just fired up about it. The French dispatch not being in this category is actually just yeah. stupid. Yeah, it's pretty wild. I mean, you limit down to five though. What would you kick off if you were to kick off anything? Uh, Power of the Dog. And, and I love Power of the Dog, but that's not like... It, that's not French Dispatch. I think that West Side Story kind of belongs in there, bringing like that 60s New York City vibes back to life. Tragic McBreath definitely belo- belongs there. I think Nightmare Alley still belongs there and Dune belongs. I would kick Power of the Dog out and put in a uh, French Dispatch. Interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree with you. We'll definitely talk more about Wes Anderson moving forward. But let's move forward and talk about Best Makeup and Hairstyling, where we have Coming to America, which is its only nomination. And we have Cruella, Dune, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, and House of Gucci. And before I ask you, Ben, I just want to stop for a second and just talk about those last two movies. And just, when is it too much? You know, like, when is makeup just too much? <laughs> when when do we cross a line? We got Jared Leto in a fat suit. Why? This this person he's playing is not fat. Why did Who made this decision? Was it him? Was it the best makeup and hairstyling crew but that's nominated? Don't you dare yeah. start with that. But Mauricio. I it's funny you bring up House of Gucci because I do think this one is going to win. I, uh. I, it's the low nomination for the movie. I think that I, I, I came out of it being like, wow, I really want a lot of Gucci right now. And I, I normally <laughs> I normally don't wear Gucci. You don't uh, like buy clothes ever, so that's no, a weird yeah. thing for you to I say. I was like, for wow, sure. some, some Gucci, some Gucci would be really nice right now. <laughs> uh, I so part of me thinks that that this is gonna that that's gonna win somehow, and I and I don't know why. Um, but everyone keeps talking about how good he looks in that fat suit. I think is why. Yeah. Like, that's it. Like people just keep talking about his weird performance, and yeah. they're talking about the way he looks in it. I and mean, I think I saw somewhere that they used like ten thousand dollars on like Gaga's like wigs, and I think that if I'm, I think I saw this somewhere, and and this can totally just be like internet being the internet. But I think I saw somewhere that whoever the makeup or hairstylist was, they brought like a huge like four hundred like page booklet to Ridley Scott. And was like, hey, this is what I have for like designs for for Gaga, and Ridley Scott could have like, just did not care, and and this is the lone nomination that they get. So I I, I kind of think that's funny if that's true. 
I, I'm forgetting where I saw that, but uh, you know, because you just see like tons of Oscars in my feed, Oscar stuff all over the place. Yeah. But I, to, so it's a lot, I think, for the eyes of Tammy Faye and Hasaguchi, and like even coming to America, that's just bizarre to be there. But I do think, well, I do think Hasaguchi is going to get this in base, best makeup and hairstyling. Coming to America is interesting because Eddie Murphy has won, I think, for Norbit for best makeup and hairstyling. So I'm assuming that's probably the same team that comes in, helps them with the fat suits, all the weird makeup. I mean, we also have Corella, which is has amazing makeup and hairstyling throughout that movie. I mean, that's that's great to see. That movie is, is just kind of underappreciated, I think. And then my pick really comes down to Dune. I just I love the makeup. Scarzard, like his complete transformation in that and all the weird uh, kind of like half human, half cyborg characters. I mean, there was some just really cool makeup and hairstyling. Maybe there's not enough to like really dive deep. Like it's not like we're transforming Jessica Chastain like we did in the eyes of Tammy Faye. But like. At what point are we transforming people so much that it's just so distracting? And side note, her performance was great. She really, like, became a different person. Like, I'm sure she's very similar to the way Tammy Faye was in real life. But, man, I couldn't look at her face for more than a minute without being like, I'm so distracted right now. All (laughs) I can see is your fake cheekbones. Like, I literally cannot see anything else. It's time to stop, America. We need to stop. (laughs) We need to stop. Yeah, it's it's a very odd... uh Odd category. It's never a an easy one, I think, to pick because it, it never really seems to make sense. But, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, this is one where I, I don't know if I can really say what's going to win, but I really do think it's going to come down to the eyes of Tammy Faye and House of Gucci. So we'll see. We will see. So let's move on to, I think, the absolute lock of the evening, and that's Best International Feature Film. Interesting. I mean... Drive my car has drive my car has to get it. And honestly, if a movie is nominated for best picture and director and adapted screenplay, I'm probably gonna pick it for best international feature film. No, I, I don't think you're crazy to think that, but I have seen so many people talking about the worst person in the world, which is a Norway film, and I've seen just a lot of people talk about that and it's I think it recently just came out on Hulu or something like that. I think it's more accessible now. And I've just seen a lot of people talking about it. No, I think what happened is they just released it here uh, in the U.S. Uh, limited. And I think more people are talking about it and more people are just kind of interested in it. But, yeah, I mean, the amount of nominations that Drive My Car has, it would be kind of crazy if it, they didn't win Best And it's a it's a really great you know, movie. Yeah, tell me a little bit about it without obviously spoiling it. I haven't seen it. It's uh, it's based off of a novel by uh, I forget the first name, but Murakami is uh, is the last name. I'm forgetting the first name right now. I can look it up. It just take too much time. Anyways, it's a uh, it's a Japanese film. It's three hours in length. It I'm still emotionally depressed from it because it's so inner when you watch it, but it's so fascinating and there's so much great interaction and great. I think that, I think the diversity in it and and what it tries to pull off is, is phenomenal. So. To me, like this is like the the go to like that like this should win, and I I it's I think it's a lock. I think it's pretty easy right now to say like Drive My Car is gonna win Best International Feature Film. So if you're doing those Oscar ballot you know parties with your friends, that's your lock. All right, moving on to Best Film Editing. Ben, is there a particular film that you really kind of stuck out for its editing, or maybe was the editing kind of overboard to the fact that uh it deserves best film editing is there anything that kind of jumps out to you so i don't know if i like this like pool right now so we have don't look up we have dune we have king richard we have the power of the dog we have tick tick boom i think it's kind of a weird mix but i kept looking at it and obviously i wanted to go dune again but i think tick tick boom 
would actually be a really fun one to win. Uh, I I love that movie. I think that way that it it goes oh, like throughout his his, his life and, and and Andrew Garfield, uh, John Larson's uh, I should say the character's life and, and everything. There's some really great editing that that's done in that film. It's uh it's a musical. It's a drama, a comedy. It, I loved it. So if I had to give my vote, it would be Tick Tick Boom. But I don't know if that's the one that's gonna win. I think that it's going to be between the power of the dog and Dune for that. But I, I would pick Tick, Tick, Boom if I had a vote. Yeah, but best film editing has always been a hard one because a lot of people lean on, like, what editing do you notice the most? And that's kind of what I was trying or to just hint like at. just, like, the amount of cuts that you do. Like the, yeah, exactly. Like, what was it? Um, like, like, for, like uh, Ford versus Ferrari. Like, there's so many, like, yeah. like, tons of cuts in that movie. But I thought Parasite should have won best film editing that yeah, year. Yeah, just by how precise it was. I think Tick, Tick, Boom is a is a nice pick to choose. I mean, editing is so important to that because we're cutting between like them recreating the footage from what's kind of based off of the film. And then we have some musical performance of his plus like his real life stuff. So editing is like very integral to that film. And it's really integral to the power of the dog as well, because a lot of that is we're getting extreme close ups, like really beautiful editing that is trying to like tell us more about the world, tell us more about characters without really using dialogue, which is really impressive. But for me, I got to go with don't look up. And I have to pick Don't Look Up because, one, I think it's going to get overlooked for a lot of awards, whether you think it's kind of a worthy Best Picture nom we can talk about. But for me, Don't Look Up is was probably an impossible film to edit. Looking at just how big this cast is, he I mean, he's known to kind of go on, let people just rant and, and just make up lines on the spot. We have all these really funny people that are together. You know, there's probably so many funny different takes of scenes. And that's not just what should be choose, chosen for best editing, but the film is also a worldwide, worldwide tale that's trying to tell the story of multiple people, our characters, but also the entire world. And it's really, really hard to do that, and I thought what they did with it was really impressive. You know, you could look at some of the editing to be kind of weird and, and just like random when we're cutting to like footage of polar bears, ice caps melting, like all these random footage, but. I mean, it's really hard to show something and make it feel like we're seeing the world before our eyes. And I felt it very believable. And they really gave us a lot of weird cuts to different things that didn't really take me out of the film. It just helped me kind of build up the world that we're seeing. And yeah, I thought it was really, really impressive. But if I had to pick a winner, I would probably say Tick, Tick, Boom with you as well. Oh, like to actually win, or just as like your favorite one that you would vote? No, for? I would vote for Don't Look Up, but I think Tick Tick Boom's gonna win. Okay, interesting. I yeah, I think it's gonna be a toss up. It'll be interesting to see when we uh, when we go head to head Oscar night. Yeah, when we actually do our ballots and kind of go and, and actually bet on everything. Yeah, there, we'll get down to the wire for sure. There's so much time until like the Oscars are. It's yeah, it's like six weeks. It's away. the beginning it's crazy. of yeah. It's the beginning of February right now, and it's the end of March. It's there's so much time, so we'll see what happens. But going on to best documentary short subject, I haven't seen any of the movies. Have you seen any of these movies? No, I have not. Well, the nominees are When We Were Bullies, Three Songs for Benazir, The Queen of Basketball, Lead Me Home, and Audible. I'm sure they're all great films, which I will definitely enjoy getting to watch. We'll move on to best documentary feature, which again, another category that ashamed to admit that I haven't seen any of these films, but I'm certainly looking forward to it. But two that stand out are Flea and Summer of Soul. I know Flea was nominated in documentary feature, international feature, and I think animated as well. So that one definitely has a lot of, 
momentum somewhere maybe it could get a documentary feature because it got those other ones but i know summer of soul people love that one so it's gonna be a toss-up i think between those two yeah summer of soul has kind of been like the long-running guest for a lot of people but i don't know flea is nominated all over the board like you just said i think there's a good possibility it's gonna win there because i don't it might win when we get to uh animated films but i think we have other competition as well they might kind of hand it off too so yeah, if you were to make a bet, I would probably choose choose that. Yeah, Flea. Good, moving on to Best Original Song, and um, uh, honestly, the one that should win isn't even on there. <laughs> and and we shouldn't even be talking about it, but it's uh, We Don't Talk About Bruno <laughs> from, from Encanto. Uh, that, I mean, this, this song took over like the Spotify charts. Uh, my girlfriend listens to it incessantly. It's a, <laughs> it's a great song, and if you are a fan of of Lin-Manuel Miranda's work it this is such a like a Lin-Manuel Miranda song and the way it builds up and the amount of different like voices and 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 themes he gives to each character for the song it is incredible so uh so like so we don't talk about Bruno not nominated but uh his other song and I'm gonna totally butcher this one but Dos Orguitas which I think it means the butterflies. Do you know Spanish? No. <laughs> or maybe it's caterpillars. I'm going to look this up, but I think that's going to be the one that wins. And it's going to be the one that uh, that gets him his EGOT finally. You think he's going to win? Wow. Okay. I, I think so. I mean, what, what, what do you think? Who I think is actually going to win is Billie Eilish for No Time to Die. Ooh. Why? I just think there's been a long track record. I, I think this has been on a lot of people's minds. There's not going to be that much love for No Time to Die. People love Billie Eilish. Is that my favorite pick here out of our nominations? No. I think I would go with Down to Joy, which is by Van Morrison from Belfast. And I mean, this Ooh. is an Irish, Irish uh, singer-songwriter. It fits right into the film. He's got a, such a beautiful, like, homey and comforting voice. It's a perfect song to kind of end the film and really summarize our journey. So I think emotionally and, and through the story, I think it's perfect uh, to win Best Original Song. But that's usually not how they pick Best Original yeah. Song. So Yeah, well, it's sort of become the, like, oh, which, like, big, like, pop star can we give this one to? But I looked it up. Uh, Dos Orguitas is famous for two caterpillars. So I thought it was Butterfly, but it's, uh, <laughs> it's actually uh, Caterpillar. But... Speaking of uh, Belfast and song, it's it's kind of interesting because it references the song from High Noon, which did win best song, uh, all the way back for 1952. So maybe that should have like maybe that should have been the song. I wonder if a film could win or a song can win twice if it's used the right way. I wonder if it could, but it probably can't. Well, like two separate films? Yeah, two separate films because it used a best it used a, an Academy Award winning song in the movie a lot in Belfast. You mean like they use the song more than once in the movie? Yeah. I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure that's fine. I thought you meant like if it won previously, could it be used? Then well, yeah, that too. Like, could it? I wonder if it could. Well, I know for Cause it, it a has score, a lot if they use, like if say 9% or 90% of the score is like original, but 10% is additional songs that they use, they don't qualify for best original score. Yeah, maybe I'm just being a little too uh, wishful because the Ballad of High <laughs> Noon is quite fantastic and fits perfectly in Belfast. That's really funny because I started watching High Noon today. So oh, we'll get to that very soon Oh yeah, we follow will. along with yeah. us. <laughs> oh, yeah. All right, moving on to best sound. Again, this is just one category. Again, this year, no more best sound editing or sound mixing, which I kind of have to say boo to because I kind of like the, the, the definitive line between the two, but everyone's getting confused. So, 
my pick is Dune. I think Dune's going to take this one. I think just again, like the the Academy loves like sci-fi, loves like these crazy kind of weird things it can do. And just looking at honestly, the only competition I actually see with it is No Time to Die. Um, and I think that No Time to Die had like I saw that in, in Dolby Cinema. And some of those, uh, it was like the beginning sequence when the car, the Aston Martin that they're in is getting shot up. Like it was like pounding the back of my seat because it was so well-timed and perfect. I was like, oh, this is so great. But I think Dune is still going to get that. But I would not be surprised if No Time to Die actually wins. Yeah, I mean, my pick is No Time to Die. I think Dune is actually going to win, like you said. But yeah, No Time to Die. I mean, what a banger of a movie from even the quiet moments like from the the score obviously that's not the category here but all the elements of sound in this movie are absolutely fantastic they kind of establish this in this world obviously we get like the high flying vehicles the guns everything we want in a good james bond movie the villain with a secret weapon and all of that has great sounds and mechanics and i i really loved it before we move on to best original score though i wanted to note that on best original song we have be alive which is beyonce's first uh oscar nomination i think for best original song so that also might take her up and and, and give her the opportunity to win an oscar there we'll see yeah i don't know i i still think that i i think that the idea of getting lin-manuel miranda to become an egot winner i think that might sit in a lot of people's minds and like this is a great shot for him. I think this is. I think a lot of people are annoyed that it's not. We don't talk about Bruno though. Yeah, but but I think that's the thing is like, well, just because we don't talk about Bruno doesn't mean we can't give it another one. And that song, that movie, made me ball. <laughs> I was crying so hard, especially the second time because I watched it with subtitles, and that's why I got confused. Cause I thought it was cat. I thought it meant butterflies, but it's caterpillars. And you read the lyrics as they're singing it it's in Spanish. And the movie, oh my god, I could talk about Encanto for <laughs> for days. All right, let's talk about best original score. We have Don't Look Up, Dune, Encanto, Parallel Mothers, and The Power of the Dog. Ben, what is your pick for best original score? I think this one's going to Dune. I, and I know Hans Zimmer won best score for The Lion King uh, back in 94, but he's been recently nominated for Dunkirk, Interstellar, Inception, Sherlock Holmes, Gladiator. Um, I think that this is uh, I think that this is his year to take. Again, it's a, just another... Great score, just you know, music that really adds to the, uh, you know, you know, adds to the tension of the movie. And then I look at the other nominees, like "Don't Look Up." I don't know how that one got there. Oh, you're out of your mind. I, that I is my pick for the best I, score. I don't understand. Encanto, like I loved it, but again, I, I don't think that because it's not Lin Manuel Miranda who did the score, or at least nominated for it. He's not going to get it. I still haven't seen "Parallel Mothers." I really want to. In the Power of the Dog. Uh, I don't think it was enough. So I think it's going to be Dune for Hans Zimmer, and I, I think it's also because he's the most name recognition. Sure, I, I wouldn't underestimate Johnny Greenwood, though. I mean, he's got a history in film. The Power of Dog is, like we said, the highest nominations here. It is really pulling strong. And that movie is really, really quiet at times. That kind of relies a lot on music to help push tone and narrative. But what also relies on music to help push the tone, help push our momentum, help push the rhythm of a film, which is so handy when it comes to best editing, and what did I give best editing? Don't look up. I'm giving for best original score because I think that score is probably the score I've listened to the most this year. It is so fun. It is so whimsical and beautiful, yet also like knowing there's going to be an end. There's like this sense of doom and dread that's in this song in this score. And it's, I love it. It is so such a fun album to listen to. Just throw it on. It's a great like listening uh, kind of background music album, very much uh, similar to, uh, 
the social network, which I'll like throw on occasionally in the background while doing work. So I think you're, it's, you're a score guy when you listen to, to music. Sometimes. I mean, it depends on what kind of score. And I mean, there's people we could talk to that know a lot about scores, yeah. but yeah, I'll throw on scores occasionally. That's usually what's in my like study study or uh you know focus Man, we have playlist. different we have different study focus <laughs> music i'll tell you that right now <laughs> yeah i love don't look up but who do i actually think is gonna win i actually am gonna go with johnny greenwood for the power of the dog i think hans zimmer's had his light he's had his time of day he should have won for um you just said it earlier i'm already right. forgetting probably for inter- inception you're thinking well i love inception interstellar. interstellar is like one of my favorite scores of all time but uh, Dunkirk, I think he should oh, have won Dunkirk. for it. Okay. That, that like, helps control the entire movie, and it's so important to Dunkirk. So, But let's move on to best costume design, Ben. Tell me uh, our nominees here. We have West Side Story, Nightmare Alley, Dune, Cyrano, and Cruella. My pick is West Side Story, not Dune, which I... What? Yeah. <laughs> I think that the recreation of so many of the iconic outfits from the original is definitely just sticking out of my mind, and... I'm going to do a quick little Google search, and I, I'm just trying to remember off the top of my head if, if it won costume design back for the original. And uh, That's funny, because when I think of West Side Story, I just think of like, yeah, I've seen all these costumes before. <laughs> and it did win. It won for best costume design color. Uh, Ugh, gross. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think it's going to win. I, I think that, yeah, we've seen it before, but I think that I think West Side Story is going to get a little love, and I don't think it's going to win really much more, but I think it's going to be uh, West Side Story for costume design. I think that's it's definitely a good choice. I think it's it's likely that it could win here. And you might yell at me after that tirade that I just said, but I picked Dune. And before you yell and say, yes, it's already been made before, come on. Look at the difference between the costumes and the original West Side Story to the new one that just came out. Uh, let's be honest. There's barely any difference. No, I I get it. I, I get well, it. Look I, at I get, Dune, I, though. Look how different these costumes are. Look how, like amazing the costume design is in that movie i guess you could say it's all gray and, and dark color palette but yeah i i don't know it builds I, the world it is, it is very good and i won't be mad if it wins but i'm gonna give uh, west side story a little love here and honestly in a month when we record who we actually are gonna pick or our reactions whatever i wouldn't be surprised if i go back to dune but uh yeah next is gonna be best animated short film uh this is another category where i need to see more of them but the ca- the nominees are the windshield wiper Robin Robin, Box Ballet, Bestia, and Affairs of the Art. Moving on to Best Animated Feature Film, we have Rhea and the Last Dragon, The Mitchells vs. the Machines, Luca, Flea, and Encanto. Uh, my pick, and I don't know if I still feel this confident about it, is Encanto, but uh, but we'll see what happens. Uh, I think that just the momentum of uh of Lin-Manuel Miranda being behind it it was so widely loved and 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 accepted I think that that might push it you know give Disney another win but I won't be surprised if other films win uh in this category this is this is one of the hardest categories I might say of the entire night because there's just there's some bangers here I mean I haven't seen Flea I kind of hatch half watched and Kanto's cooking dinner so I won't say I fully watched that movie I more heard the music than I heard it, uh, than I saw images of it. So, but my personal pick was my favorite movie of last year, which is Ryan the Last Dragon. Obviously, I won't go on too much longer. You can listen to our top ten episode if you want to know more about our favorite films of last year and why. But honestly, I think this is going to be a Netflix win here for the Mitchells versus the Machines. This came out a lot longer ago than like saying Kanto. It's not on people's minds as much. 
but it was released on Netflix, really big platform, and it's kind of continued to stay in the zeitgeist. And Best Animated Feature Film usually loves to kind of push for uh, unique, really visually stunning animation, and we definitely have that with all these films. I mean, Luca is absolutely gorgeous, but I really think this might be down to Flea and the Mitchells versus the Machines based on just how kind of unique their art style is and and how uh, they really kind of stand out above some of these other films. I know Bong Joon-ho loved Mitchells vs. the Machines. He put that in his top films of 2020. Yeah, I need to watch that. It's crazy. It's a movie on Netflix. I remember when it came out, people were talking about it, and I'm like, really, an animated film? Like, Netflix films fucking suck, dude. Like, there's no way an animated <laughs> film of theirs can be any better than their live-action stuff. Well, turns out I was wrong. It sounds like people are really loving this film, and I think the main actress in this is like a, her character is like in film school or something like that. Like, so I'm like, damn, this is this sounds right on my alley. Why haven't I watched this yet? So I'll definitely get to that before the Oscars. Moving on to best cinematography. I think this is actually one of the strongest uh, categories as well uh, for the evening. So we have West Side Story, Tragedy Macbeth, The Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley and Dune. My pick is the tragedy of Macbeth. The, uh, Cinematography in that is crazy. Yeah, it I is, still need to watch it. It is crazy good. There are some shots that I'm just like, how the fuck did they pull that off? And it's it's not even just the black and white. It's just everything is so well, you know, well crafted. It's so meticulous. It, it everything is placed exactly right. The, the lighting design is flawless. So I think uh, I I would pick Tragedy of Macbeth. I think it's I think it's just stunning. And there's some. There, there are some shots that I can't wait for you to watch. You're going to be like, what the fuck? How did they do that? Yeah, I definitely want to get to that. I'm, I'm bummed that there wasn't a wider release. I really would have loved to sit down and kind of force myself to watch that. That would have been my prime ideal uh, watching for that in a big theater, you know, getting that beautiful cinematography. And I've seen the trailer. I've seen some of the clips from it. It looks absolutely gorgeous. I'm not surprised you picked that. I'm surprised you didn't go for Dune here as well. Well, that's because I think Dune's actually going to (laughs) win. Well, there you go. I think Dune will probably win as well. I think The Power of the Dog definitely has a chance. People are really loving The Power of the Dog, and especially the cinematography is, like, gorgeous in that movie. I think, honestly, The West Side Story has a possibility of winning, too. There's some amazing cinematography. This is really a stack. Lens flare galore. Yes, lens flare galore. This is a really stacked category, like you said. But for me, my pick, my favorite here is Nightmare Alley again. I mean, I talked about it a little bit before. You're shooting a film in color. His goal was to show it in black and white. It came out and it was in color. I've seen both versions, and they are just both so stunning in both black and white and color, which is an impressive feat on its own. Like, we don't lose things into contrast. They said they kind of filmed this movie to be in black and white, even though they're shooting in color, and and that really shows whether I watch in black and white or color. It is absolutely stunning. It is so contrasty. Everything kind of pops off the screen. I mean, from the very opening shot of the film, which I won't—it doesn't spoil anything, but it's like a burning— uh, living room essentially and like the fire and the embers from that is like a bright glowing white like it is so surreal looking and stunning it's really really beautiful i can't recommend nightmare alley enough go out of your way check it out moving on to best original screenplay i the well actually just gonna the nominees first the nominees are the worst person in the world licorice pizza king richard don't look up and belfast i think it's going to be belfast that would be my pick and i think that's the one that's going to win uh, for best original screenplay, I think that this is going to set Belfast up kind of nicely for that potential best picture win. And I'll explain that in the next category. 
uh, even more. But John, what do you think is going to win Best Original Screenplay? What I think is going to win is Belfast as well. I mean, this is a personal story for Kenneth Branagh. He's really got his heart poured into this. It is such a complex story, but told from a kid's point of view. So we have like amazing dialogue for a kid and and dialogue for children, especially of this young age. I mean, he's supposed to be like eight or nine or ten or something like that in this film, and such pinpoint accurate dialogue for for young children for a dude who's like six years old. It's it's so impressive. He doesn't have any other co-writer on this. He wrote it and wrote it himself. Really, really impressive. And then he's also writing characters that are like on their deathbed, that are in their eighties, telling like this this child about their like it is really 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 beautiful and and so personal and i i could see them winning or him winning specifically because of all that information but for me personally and the reason why i don't think pta will win for licorice pizza is because of some of the controversial elements of the film the the, the love relationship between the uh, man and woman that's so far apart in 10 years uh, and underage as well i think kind of pushes people off of voting for him but for me i think it's the best dialogue of the year i'm a big sucker for just really really like accurate or really unique and punchy dialogue we always get that from pta and it's just like a fun interesting story that we don't really see that often you know it's over two hours it's it doesn't have a very like plot heavy story it's really just about these two characters and the kind of journey they take and that's a really hard story to write you know there's no like a formula to follow there so let, let's talk about that for a second, because I know when we when we got out of watching uh, Licorice Pizza, you were a little turned off by the age difference uh, between Al- between Alana Heim and uh, and um, and Cooper Hoffman's character. And I actually wasn't. I actually was very I, I was very like for it. And I, and I thought that it was a very on the nose inclusion because of what PTA was trying to convey and convey the message and idea that like, well, older men are allowed to hit on and, and sleep with younger women. And, and that's portrayed in film. And that is totally socially acceptable. But when it becomes a, an older woman and a younger man, then it starts to be a little like, whoa, 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 what are we talking about? And I know, I know that Cooper Hoffman is supposed to be a 15 year old. and she's a 25 year old. And I'm not, just, I'm not excusing that, but I think the idea of an older woman being with a younger guy, I think that's supposed, it's supposed to be there for a reason. It's supposed to be a commentary and the le- in the opening scene of Licorice Pizza, Alana Heim's character is, is hit on and gets her ass slapped by an older guy, and so and and then she has that whole thing with Sean Penn's character. It so I I 100% believe like it's there for a reason. But for you, like we're like what like two or three months removed from watching that, like how do you feel now? Especially after the first time we had a huge discussion about it. Yeah, I think those are all really great points, and I think those are a lot of points that people are just like will not give any time of day to just because they're like gross, whatever. Like you're wrong. And I've seen a lot of comments like that online, and I'm like, you can't like listen to this movie, watch this movie, and not just see how like meticulous this dialogue is, and how like specific and and really well written this film is, and to just discredit it because of that one thing. It, it, to me, it's ridiculous. I mean, the movie is so amazing on so many other merits, but when it comes down to like the age difference, is a 15 year old kid with a 25 year old girl. Like this happens, and it happens for both genders you know like an older man or older woman falling in love with someone who's younger that that happens day to day and like maybe love is bound beyond just the number but for me it's like such a small thing that could have drastically just like taken my mind off of off of just this like knowing that he was 15 she's 10 years older it was the fact that he was 15 and this character is supposed to be you know much older for his age it's kind of the reason why they work together and it's kind of the reason why they fall in love because he doesn't act like a 15 year old but like if they just made him like 17 
or if he was 15 and she was like 20 if it was just like off by a couple years where i just couldn't stop thinking about this and it just distracted me from the movie and that's just such a small thing and it's such a small nitpick. So I definitely don't take it seriously to the point that other people do where they're like, well, I'm writing this movie off. It's disgusting. It's clear this is just like a fetish film for Paul Thomas Anderson. No, for it, me, yeah, it's, if, it's amazing. If you think it's a fetish film, you, you, <laughs> you, you're, you're immature. You're immature. And you're not actually able to comprehend it and, and accept the social commentary that he's giving. And I think that's an issue with so many movies nowadays is that is films are supposed to be they're supposed to be a little political. They're supposed to be commenting on things. And it's not saying at least I wouldn't want, you know, my filmmakers or even myself. I want to be like, this is what it should be. But it's supposed to be commenting on it. So if you're going there like, oh, this is some fetish porn for Paul Thomas Anderson. Get out of here. You have no, <laughs> you, you have no then you have no idea what you're watching or you're taking in. Yeah, exactly. But moving on to best adapted screenplay nominees are The Power of the Dog, The Lost Daughter, Dune, Drive My Car and Coda. I love Coda is here. Um, we're going to get to that in a little bit, but my pick is drive my car. And I actually think that this is going to win. Wow. That would be huge. If it did, that would be really, really crazy. I mean, would that be the first foreign film to win best adapted? No, uh, adapted. I know a Bong Joon-ho won for Parasite for... Uh, oh, okay. So I know one original screenplay. I would have to do a little I don't deep think th- that's adapted. That's original. That right? it, yeah. It's original. Adapted... I not off the top of my head. I'd have to look, but it potentially, yeah. But I think, uh, I think drive my car is, is going to play spoiler. And I think just again, like the, the, what it's based off Murakami books are really loved by a lot of people. I think that the deep dive it goes into, it is constant dialogue for which the whole entire movie. And I know you haven't seen it, so I don't want to spoil too much. And I don't want to spoil people who are listening, but definitely go see it. I, I think it has a lot of poignant uh, points to make and, and has some really deep meaning to a lot of it and I would not be surprised if Drive My Car gets that spoiling what I think probably is going to win or would most likely going to win is Power of the Dog because again we're trying to see which which the the best picture race between Belfast and Power of the Dog Belfast winning original screenplay helps its its uh its campaign and then Power of the Dog if that one best adapted screenplay that's going to help it as well so but I think Drive My Car, car spoiling Power of the Dog is definitely in there and would definitely upset its best picture chances. Sure. Yeah, definitely agree with that. If I were to stay on the list here, I would probably choose Dune uh, just because of how massive that book is. Again, it's only half of the story, half of the book, which is kind of still for me frustrating. But, I mean, the way they adapted it is really impressive. Like, we don't have a lot of scenes of just characters spitting out exposition. I think it's kind of separated and really digestible in a manner that's it's easy for audiences to watch, but it's also not talking down to the audience, trying to explain what this planet is, what spice is, what all these elements of the film are. And that's really, really impressive to me. What I'll say about Dune with adapting, because it did pretty much, it stayed mostly faithful to the first half of the book. And I think when you stay mostly faithful, it can be a very, it can be a good thing or it can be a bad thing. And I don't think it's going to necessarily work in its favor for this one, but wait for Dune 2 because I, th- I still think Dune 2 may really capture some people. Oh, yeah, may, it may be, but I think I'll go off the list for this one for my pick and pick Nightmare Alley again because, damn, I mean, we have uh, the original film from 1949, I think. Still haven't watched it, but now I'm like so eager to go back and see how it compares, how it's different, how it may be even better than Guillermo del Toro's current Nightmare Alley. But yeah, this is just a magnificent movie. 
from top to bottom and I just can't stop thinking about the characters in this film and that really goes for just the incredible writing so big shout out to that if I think anything's going to win I think it's I think it's going to be the power of the dog I mean everyone is just hyping up Jane Campion so much that I could see it but maybe there's like a curveball in here with sometimes just this wait. happens with the screenplay where I think maybe Coda just comes in out of nowhere I mean the fact that we see Maggie, Maggie Gyllenhaal here is really crazy. I mean, that movie really came out of nowhere. Nobody was talking about The Lost Daughter, and now it's it's nomin- nominees all over the board here. So Just we'll wait see. for the baby. You can drive my car. <laughs> <laughs> Do they play that song? No, 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 no I was going to say, is no, that, that why it's called that? No, 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 no. That would have gotten me to watch the movie immediately. Man, you, gotta, you really got to watch it. It's not an easy watch, but you got to watch it. All right, moving yeah, it on. It makes to, me not want to watch it. <laughs> moving on to Best Supporting Actress. The nominees are... Anjoué Ellis, Kirsten Dunst, Judy Dench, Ariana DeBose, and Jesse Buckley. My pick is actually not on this list. I think this is a very odd uh, list. Um, I would have normally, I probably would have gone with Kirsten Dunst, but I'm going with Jodie Comer for The Last Duel. Uh, I The way that movie is split up into three different storylines and the way she is, that she is portrayed and the way she portrays herself and, and, and you know, you know, picks herself up throughout the movie. Uh, I think that she should have been on this list. I'm actually shocked she's not there. So she would have been my vote. But who's actually going to win? It's going to go chalk. It's going to be Ariana Du Bois for uh, West Side Story, which great for her. But man, it it really does. It's really odd to think that the two that it would be three characters that have won two Oscars for individual performances: Vito Corleone, the Joker, and then and then um uh. Uh, wow, why, uh, what's her name in the movie? Am I really forgetting this right now for uh, for West Side Story? But uh, it, oh, I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I'm <laughs> well, not gonna remember. The, the, essentially, Re- Rita Moreno won the character uh, before, and um, man, I feel like a total ass <laughs> for not remembering the name. But that's neither here nor there. Oh, Anita, fuck! Why did I not remember? Oh, that? There you go. Why did I not remember that? I should have known that. But it doesn't even matter because it's not about the character's name, but just the fact that. The idea that Anita would have two Oscar-winning performances seems a little odd to me. And, like, she was good in the movie, but I don't think she was, like, Academy Award-worthy. I thought she would, like, be nominated and be here, but I don't think she'd be the odds-on favorite. Yeah, I'm really glad that you picked Jodie just because, I mean, that is such an underappreciated film. She is so integral to that film, and she does a really amazing job of, of really telling us different stories because they're all from each person's perspective, right? So she has... A job, like you said, that is to break down three different versions of herself and, and have similar aspects to them in each kind of story to each perspective, but also have that varying as well. So that that's really impressive, and I'm glad that you picked her to at least talk about her. It's kind of ridiculous that she's not nominated, but... But Judy the, Dench is? Like, like what is that? And then they didn't even uh, catch her on a ball for... Like, she should have been the one nominated for Best Supporting Actress. Yeah, it, it's that's such an odd pick. I, I feel like that's just like, oh, I love Judy Dench. Like, we'll throw her on it. You know, like, we did they just see that name? They're like, yeah, 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 yeah. It's got to be her. She gives always a great performance. Yeah. Well, well, maybe Kirsten Dunst will play spoiler in this one just because the amount of people that... Are, like, I know I'm going to rewatch Power of the Dog myself before the Oscars just to really confirm myself like is this the one that deserves 12 nominations and, yeah but uh but we'll we'll definitely see what happens uh moving on to best supporting actor nominees are cody smith mcphee jk simmons jesse plemons troy kutzer and kieran hines i think because everyone's pitting cody smith mcphee to win 
I think that the vote is going to get split. I think we're going to have an all about Eve situation here. Who's going to win that? I think it's going to be Troy Kotzer for, wow. for Coda. And I think that's because it's a deaf character. He is phenomenal in the movie. I cried in this one. Did you watch Coda? No, not yet. Okay, I don't want to spoil it. My that. girlfriend and I are going to see it. I bawled. I bawled at this one emotional part that was just... It, it like took my breath away with how beautiful it was. He he gave it a magnificent performance. He is so you know right in tune with the film, and I think that having Jesse Plemons with Cody Smith McPhee is not going to be a good thing for McPhee because now you're going to have people being like, "Oh, which one was the better performance?" And then everyone's going to look at you know Troy Kotzer and think like, "Oh, here's this deaf actor giving." He's the first male deaf actor to be nominated in any of the categories, so I I think that that's like really going to weigh heavy on people. So I will not be surprised if that's an upset right there this is so this is a really tough one again i mean i really see i could see this going with any of them and i mean i've seen even people saying it's going to be jk simmons which is like he's already no, won no, no way. way no way that's going to happen i've I, seen a lot of people think that's going to happen because he's a really integral I, part I, for the film see, like he's i don't only, agree but he's only in there because people are too like freaking lazy to watch anything else and they all they want to do is sit like the i know <laughs> i can probably guarantee that like more than half the academy award voters are over 50 years old that they're just sitting at home like oh well this one's easy to watch because it's on amazon and i love lucille ball that it that like when I saw that he was on there, I was like, "Are you like are you kidding me? <laughs> are you not watching any of the other fucking movies that are out there?" Like Adam Driver for the last duel is one that comes immediately to mind. Oh my god, that, bo- both of them in that movie, like what? Ben Affleck even in that. Ben one. Affleck for sure is a huge snub. Like, yeah, I mean for this category too, a lot of people keep talking about Bradley Cooper from um, for Licorice Pizza, Licorice Pizza, uh, even which, Benicio del Toro for The French Dispatch. He was so good in oh that movie. Oh my god, I would have loved that. that. I mean, honestly, that is probably my favorite like best supporting actor role of the year. But yeah, I mean, I I also find it ridiculous that people think Bradley Cooper deserves this nomination as well. It's like, <laughs> okay, he's yeah. in this movie for five minutes, has like not much hey, to do with the plot at all. It's happened before where people get wins for, uh, for five minutes. But like, time. what makes his performance so good that people love so much? He's just like screaming and he makes like one joke. Like he's so inconsequential to the whole story, which isn't necessary to win, but it's like. Why do people see in this they that just, they're like, well, I don't know. That's just how it works sometimes. It could be a split vote, though, like you said. I mean, Cody, people are talking about him a lot to win, and, and people are really talking about Coda and, and Troy's performance there. But, I mean, I've even seen people talking about Jesse Plemons win- winning as well, and that'd be cool to but like see that's, but that's husband why I think and wife the, win. Right, but that's why I think the vote might be split a little too much. So we'll, we'll, see. we'll see. Moving on to, I think, the most interesting category of the night. That is Best Actress. So the nominees are Kristen Stewart, Nicole Kidman, Penelope Cruz, Olivia Coleman, and Jessica Chastain. I want to point out something really interesting. Olivia Coleman, uh, Penelope Cruz, and Nicole Kidman have already won their Oscars. Jessica Chastain has three previous nominations, and Kristen Stewart has never been nominated before, but she has such a huge groundswell of support because she missed out on the BAFTAs. But to also think about that, none of these nominees were nominated for the BAFTAs. So that precursor means absolutely nothing this year. Wow. None of them? None of them. Wow. That's nuts. I mean, for me, I'm going off the list with Alana Haim. I mean, she's amazing. She makes that movie work, and she's, I think that might have been her first performance ever. Like, what an amazing first performance, and what a just charming, interesting character that was. Oh, yeah. She she was phenomenal, and I she probably could have been slotted in here, uh, but it seems to be a two horse race between Nicole Kidman and Kristen Stewart. I know Jessica Chastain has like potential dark horse 
right there, but I, I think she's going to miss out again. I, I think that people are going to, I think the groundswell of people's support for Kristen Stewart got her this nomination. And I think that people are going to lose their minds if she doesn't win. I mean, already, well, the Oscars have also kind of fucked us with best actress the last few years. I mean, the fact that they gave it to Frances McDormand last year when they had two greater yeah. picks with Viola Davis or, um, or was Carrie Mulligan yeah. for, for promising young oh woman. My God, truly like Carrie Mulligan. they had that. And then like, I know Renee Zellweger for, for Judy, people love that, but like, that's why I think Kidman's going to win. I, I really, I mean, she's my and AMC A-list that, hero. Yeah, that but AMC bullshit. <laughs> oh, my God. I, lo- I love oh. her for that. She's not Best Actress nomination for the AMC commercial, and just, she deserves it. That just bothers me because <laughs> then, because it's the same thing um, uh, with with, uh, with Kristen Stewart in the, in the director's prior movie with Jackie where Natalie Portman was so good. Like, I just don't know, like, what people are, like, not seeing in, like, these performances. Like, she was phenomenal I, and, I, and i love i love when characters get into the, like those neurotic roles that they're it it's almost thriller because and i'm not saying that they're going through a psychotic breakdown but the way she's like kind of battling her inner demons throughout the movie and i know it's not supposed to be like historically accurate but at the same time it's a phenomenal performance and a phenomenal and she gets broken down but then comes back up in the movie it's uh it, it, w- it would really bother me if she didn't win. It would really make me be like, what are you guys watching? It's tricky because I think being the Ricardos is just generally renowned as a better film for a lot of people. Whether you agree or not, I don't, I don't think you would. But, I mean, even Coleman, I mean, she's gotten an award. She's getting up there with Meryl Streep now. People are talking about The Lost Daughter now that they're seeing it on Hulu, I believe. She could just come in out of nowhere. I would really hate that. But it's definitely possible. And I've even seen... Penelope Cruz getting a lot of mentions in Parallel Mothers. I, I think one day Chastain's going to get her Oscar. I, I think we one, know she'll get an Oscar. Yeah, eventually, well, eventually she will, but um, not this year. I, yeah, I, I think it's it's between Kidman and Stewart, and, and if it's the fucking AMC intro that gets Nicole Kidman, just because she's like always, and that's the other thing. It's like she's always at the Oscars, and like she's won before. Let's give it to new people. Let's make it fresh. It's like let's really be bold with it. Let's not like she was good in, in being the Ricardos and. But I don't think that that was like some like really magnificent work, and and it, maybe it's hard for me because what my favorite performance of all time is Natalie Portman, so I think of like that as like the benchmark for best actress performances, and and there's some other really great ones, and just like uh, just that that would really bother me if if Nicole Kidman won for being the Ricardos. It's like good, but it's not like enough for me. All right, let's move on to best lead actor. Where we have Denzel Washington, Will Smith. Andrew Garfield, Benedict Cumberbatch, and Javier Bardem. Ben, what is your pick, and who do you think will win Best Lead Actor? So my favorite, and, and who actually I would pick if I had a vote, would be Andrew Garfield. Wow. But I'm going to put this out there. So Andrew Garfield, he won for Best Comedy or Musical Picture, or Actor for Best, uh, well, Best Actor for Comedy or Musical Picture at the Golden Globe Awards, which could make him a dark horse, but... There has not been a, quote, musical lead to win since Jamie Foxx and Ray in 2004. So I know it's not like a musical, but that's he's still in a lot of singing himself. But you would have to go back to 1984 for F. Murray Abraham for Amadeus for the last, like, musical lead to win. So it's not a common occurrence. So I don't see Andrew Garfield pulling the upset. And the other thing is that this is the Lifetime Achievement Category Award for Will Smith. I mean... He's won all the precursors. People love him. He's done a lot of campaigning for it. A lot of campaigning. A lot of like I get it. The movie is not the movie is forty minutes way too long. I like 
sure, I guess that like he deserves it. He at least deserves to be nominated, but I, I don't know. I don't get the win. This is one of those lifetime achievement awards. That I just scratch my head. I'm like, why? Like, why? Like, why? Why are we doing this? Especially when we have some really, we have a great performance from Benedict Cumberbatch, who should honestly be the one that wins this. And Andrew Garfield knocked it out of the park and tick, tick, boom. Um, it's so. odd. I just think he's been around for so long. It seems like he's really, he's kissing the baby's heads this year. Yeah. He's making his rounds. He's trying so hard. And it feels like he's really trying so hard. And I know a lot of people talked about Garfield. I mean, that is a really great performance. He really goes all in. But hearing about that and knowing that's not really likely based on our previous history that we've seen in musicals, yeah, maybe that's less likely than I even thought or expected as like a runner-up. I've heard Denzel Washington getting a lot of praise. I just don't think enough people have really sat down and watched that to even vote for it. But I just think it's going to be Will Smith. I mean, he's been he made the rounds. He's trying so hard. I think this role is is similar to his like most beloved role in terms of uh, dramedy or in terms of a dramatic picture, uh, similar to like Pursuit of Happiness. I think his character I and mean, talking about raising daughters. I mean, that's more so about raising his son and and uh, just being a really good father and trying to like do the best for his kids. I think they're really similar roles. I think that has to do with some of it. It's interesting, though, because he's never been that much of a hoity-toity dramatic actor. Like, he really knows kind of how to play both sides of the field. But he also really hasn't been anywhere near the Oscars or the Academy Awards in a while, right? It's It's been probably since, what was that film called? Like, 11 Pounds or 7 Pounds, whatever that movie was called. And he probably wasn't even nominated that year, but that was probably, like, the, the last film that I could think of that was him swinging for a dramatic, uh, at least nomination, that is. Right. But I could see him taking it for sure i just think it's kind of the year for him it's going to be a big congratulatory year he's also been in the press a lot with yeah. his relationship and he's just everyone's been talking about will smith it's hard not to yeah he w- he was previously nominated for uh pursuit of happiness and in, uh, in ali from 2001 uh some interesting notes so only denzel washington leonardo dicaprio and daniel day lewis have more nominations uh in this century than will smith he has three so kind of elite company right there which kind of makes you think like okay like he's probably gonna win it the other thing is will smith would join Sidney poitier who recently passed away denzel nominating this category jamie fox and forrest whitaker as the only black men to win a best actor so th- i think that also might be weighing on people's minds and when you read that and think about that that wow he could join that kind of elite company that you know, when you watch Will Smith, do you think like that's an Academy Award winning actor? No, but you do think, hey, that's a really good, like he's a Hollywood actor. He definitely is entrenched in just that, and he and he's a really good actor. Is this the performance I think that you would pick him for? Probably not, but he definitely deserves to be there. He's the odds-on favorite. He's gonna win. It would be cool to see Benedict Cumberbatch to come out of nowhere and kind of like sweep in and take it. But for me. The hands-down pick is not a nominee. It's it's Bradley Cooper all the way for Nightmare Alley again, baby. <laughs> oh it God. is an absolute crime that Bradley Cooper is not nominated here. It is by far the best performance of the year. doesn't matter, male, female. It is by far the best performance of the year. He is so, so good in this movie. Please go watch it. If I had to take anyone off the list for him, it'd probably be Javier Bardem. Yeah. He's playing Javier Bardem in that movie. Yeah. Come on, let's be it's real. Not, he, yeah. He's not doing much to play Ricky Ricardo. Come on, let's be real. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And, and I just want to throw something out there for, for Benedict Cumberbatch. So Benedict Cumberbatch, if he wins, he would become the first actor since John Dujardin for The Artist in 2011 to be part of a Best Picture winning film, which right now the presumed favorite is Power of the Dog. Since 1990, 
only six Best Actor winners won alongside their Best Picture winning film. So this is not a common occurrence. So if you were to look at it and you saw Benedict Cumberbatch win for Best Actor, that may not necessarily mean that that Power of the Dog is going to win that night for Best Picture. And it's kind of, and it would be the reverse, although you would probably know by then. Although based off last year, we didn't know that. And we got that fuckery that they pulled, <laughs> the putting Best Actor and Actress after Best Picture, which I swear to God, if they do that again. No way they're doing that There's again. no fucking way. That is the dumbest thing they ever pulled last year was to put Best Picture last. It's a slap in the face to so many people to do that. So um, it'll be interesting to see. What happens, but uh, yeah, this is Will Smith's to lose, honestly. But moving on to Best Director, and th- this one seems like not even worth the time to talk about, but the nominees are Steven Spielberg, Jane Campion, Paul Thomas Anderson, Ryosuke Hamaguchi, and Kenneth Branagh. This is Jane Campion's to win. I think if you look at like odds from like different like sports books, she has like her, her odds are ridiculously high to win like she's she's locked up she's the first female to be nominated twice for best director i think it was uh the piano was her previously nominated film that she didn't win for we the academy last year gave it to chloe zhao becoming she became the second to win best director best second best second female to win best director i think that this is uh jane campion's to lose although i don't think she's gonna lose at all she has it's pretty much locked up yeah, I would say so for sure. She seems like she's been the lead. She seems like the director that's kind of been making the rounds as well, more so than anyone that we've really seen here. I mean, I think Kenneth Branagh did an amazing job really kind of bringing Belfast to life. That's totally amazing. I mean, Paul Thomas Anderson, he really brought the 70s to the screen, and it felt like his own homage to the 70s, just like uh, you know, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood was for Tarantino, just in their own unique styles. Actually, those would be two great movies to watch back to back or have a a marathon with those two movies but my pick off the list again i'm going with wes anderson yeah i he would have been my pick as well he should have been here he's been nominated seven times not for best director but in, in overall oscars he's been nominated seven times i think this is for me more so an honorary award this is wes anderson's best film in the french dispatch but he is absolutely phenomenal I mean, he's on the top of his game every single frame and detail of this movie is so perfect and perfected into his auteur style and and to be frank we don't really have many auteurs left in, in film because of its age uh, the way the industry's moving there's less room for people to be this creative and to be this outwardly spoken about their kind of design choices i think wes anderson deserves this award i think he really really deserves it just from his entire career Really, I don't think he's made a bad film. I don't even think he's made an okay film. All of his films are maybe divisive to some people, but they're stunning to look at and they're just visual art. Yeah, I'm I'm just shaking my head right now because the fact that he's the fact that he's not there is 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 crazy. And then also Denis uh, Villeneuve like for Dune, like that is such a like what? That's f- wild. But like, like you said, you keep talking about Dune two or D two as we'll call it. D two. Yeah. Well, so so this is the thing is like. Well, one, the fact that the movie got 10 nominations and not Best Director, but got Best Picture in all the technical categories, to me, feels like, okay, they're thinking Dune 2 is going to live up to its hype and that they're going to potentially give do, him Best yeah, Director. Yeah, do the pull of Peter Jackson, wait until the, the third, or well, this would be the second. I don't think there's going to be a third one. I think that would be wild if they did the third Dune movie. But I think they maybe they're just waiting. They're waiting. They're like, okay, like we kind of know like this guy deserves it. He's, he's been there before and we know he's going to keep coming back. But so then you're like, well, who do I remove from the list? And I think 
Like I, I love, I wrote down Paul Thomas Anderson for best director here, but I actually think about having to include Wes Anderson and uh, Dennis Villeneuve. I think I would take out PTA and I think I take out Spielberg here. Wow. Like I, like I know like people love West side story Spielberg. I mean, he's the goat, you know, direct, I mean, him and Scorsese are probably the arguable, the arguable goats for American cinema. Uh, but I think I'll take out those two to put in Anderson and uh, Denise Villeneuve. So Hamaguchi being here is is pretty wild. I mean, you that's got, pretty significant. You got to see Drive My Car, man. That's really significant. I mean, obviously we had Bong Joon Ho, but that movie just took over last year. Like no one was talking about any other movie than that. And, and people are certainly talking about Drive My Car, but like it's very much like the filmy people, the indie film yeah. people. It's not nearly as like a snowball like Bong Joon-ho was with Parasite where literally my mom was like, everyone's talking about this Parasite. Have you seen this movie? Like yeah. I remember literally people in my family asking me about it and like, you guys never do that. But that's why I think like when you look at best adapted screenplay, I would not be surprised if Drive My Car takes, a, takes that because Jane Campion, although she's nominated for best adapted screenplay, she's locked up best director and I think people are going to be thinking about that. I, I, I think... I, I, that's just how I feel like it, it might go. So I think they're going to say, like, okay, Gene Campion, you already got yours. We're going to give, you know, we're going to give this one to drive my car. So we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. But the best director, it's not even a question. It's going to be Gene Campion. I think before we get into the best picture award, I think we wanted to talk on some snubs from this year. Do you, what's a big notable one for you that's not there? It's interesting. I mean, the biggest one that people are talking about is Lady Gaga and House of Gucci. I don't think she had room to make that list. I don't I think mean, I don't think that performance is nearly as great as she people are campaigned saying. Campaigned enough. She's certainly campaigned, and I'm certainly sure she's so pissed off right now. Whether she'll show it publicly or not, I think she already has an Oscar though. She does not for acting though. She wants she wants her own egot, bro. She's going for it. She's really trying. I mean, Adam McKay not nominated for directing Don't Look Up is is it's a little odd. I mean, I wouldn't like throw hands and fists to to get him in there. I I wouldn't argue that much. Um, Rita Marino for West Side Story I think is another big one that people are uh, surprised that she's not nominated there with uh, her cast members. Oh, that's what one, about you? That, that's one I would have been like, ugh, really? But yeah, I just felt like yeah, this is which story? You know, yeah. she's an important part of the movie. Throw her in, right? Yeah, I think Gaga was the one that stands out. The the we talked about French Dispatch not being there, The Last Duel not getting anything, and The Green Knight not getting anything. I just. God bless Jared Leto for not being nominated. Oh, yeah. Whoever well, is out there listening and thought that he was going to get nominated, I got no words for you. But Mauricio, why? Why, Mauricio, why? They were mere macabre. I think I could have done that role, honestly. The mere macabre, you make him a cry. <laughs> All right, let's move on to Best Picture. The nominees for this year are West Side Story, Power of the Dog, Nightmare Alley, Licorice Pizza, King Richard, Dune, Drive My Car, Don't Look Up, and Belfast. So I wanted to go a little non-traditional with my pick for like who I would vote for right now because I didn't want to just give it to Belfast or Power of the Dog. I would pick, are you ready for this? Coda for, wow. for Best Picture. It's a very non-Best Picture genre type of movie. But the heart and the, and the emotion in that movie, the acting is actually phenomenal. I think the message is beautiful. I, I think that I, I think the idea and, and it, this goes kind of hand in hand with, with my least favorite Oscar category that once existed. Best story. If you told me that the story was about, you know, it's about a girl who is in a deaf family, but she isn't deaf and she loves to sing. 
There is something so hauntingly beautiful about that, about that idea. And they approach that in the movie. And uh, I don't know. It, I, there's something about that movie that I think is just phenomenal. So I really love Coda. That would be, and I'm not saying like, that's like what's going to win it. That's just like one that I would like tip my hat to. Like that was a really great movie and is not getting, I think enough of the love and attention that it deserves. That's crazy. I mean, I definitely have to watch that. I mean, the only films I have left is drive my car and Coda. So I'm really, really, really got to jump on that. Yeah, got, this weekend will be the weekend I'm, that we I'm 10 it. for 10 BB. Damn brag about it. Yeah. boy. <laughs> Um, that's interesting. I mean, well, one snub we didn't mention is Passing, which is a Netflix film that really passed by the Oscars, I guess. We're not really seeing that much love for it. I've heard a lot of praise for that film, though, so I'm surprised we're not seeing it anywhere, really. But for me, I've been talking about it all night, and it's Nightmare Alley. We don't have nominees for Bradley Cooper, which is a shame, but we do have one for him as a producer on Nightmare Alley, along with Guillermo del Toro and J. Miles Dale. This is an amazing movie. I can't praise it well enough. I it's not it's I'm like keep going back and forth with is it now my favorite movie of the year now that I've seen it twice? Maybe. I mean Ryan the Last Dragon is just like warmed my heart, made me ball my eyes out, made my eyes like turn different billion different colors. I love that movie and I love that experience watching it. But Nightmare Alley, I, I literally cannot get this movie off of my mind. Every goddamn frame of this movie is beautiful. Every performance is so pitch perfect. When I first watched the movie, it's like two and a half hours. I was like, why is this movie so long? I watched it a second time. I'm like, every single goddamn scene in this movie needs to be in this movie. It all leads up to certain elements. It's a really simple story told in a very complex way with slowly kind of digesting flashbacks throughout through it. It is a film that like, I just don't understand how it's as good as this is. No one's talking about it. No one's seeing this in theaters. No one's barely even talking about it. It's It was probably one of the last movies even added to the best picture list. In fact, if they were not doing the standard 10 like they have, uh, they have recently, I think they added it 10 years ago, I don't think it would be included if this was eight films or five films because I just don't think people are giving it that credit. And I don't know what it is. The dated time period, people are just bummed out. It's, it's just too sad for them. It, it I think the marketing was pretty awful for this film. It didn't really make sense. I didn't even know what this movie was about when I went to go see it. I didn't really want to look it up, but the trailers literally didn't tell me anything. It was just William Dafoe screaming, is he man or beast? Now seeing the movie, I'm like, yeah, that's what the movie is about. But like that, it doesn't sell. It doesn't tell me what this movie is about because I think it's a really complex movie that's really hard to sell. And I just think it's some of the most fascinating character work that we've seen all year and maybe the most interesting lead character that we've seen all year because he's so complex. But if I had to actually pick who's going to win, and I was thinking a lot about this because it really seems like it's between Belfast or the power of the dog, like you said. And I'm thinking about it, and I thought about last year too a lot where Nomadland won and people were like talking about why it won, what are the significance to it? Does it kind of connect to the pandemic? Does it connect to our lives currently now? And in a way, I think it kind of did. A lot of people took time off. A lot of people traveled during the pandemic. A lot of people were really impressed to see these like kind of open sites, the beautiful America. I think a lot of people really got outdoors and, and got to, you know, love more of nature and, and think more about their lives and think about loss and death. But while also being kind of uplifting and kind of emotional in that way, it wasn't like a a downbeat, really sad, depressing film. And I think this year we're kind of riding off of that wave and we're going to go for something that is more lighthearted while it still has dark moments. It's still very serious. 
I think we're going to go with Belfast because this film is, is from a kid's point of view. It has so much heart and charm to it while, while still being very relatable to the time and still telling this historical tale based on real real events from Kenneth Branagh's life. So we have that personal element. It also has a lot of joy and fun and just like a thirst for life, which I think people really need right now. And what I think people don't need right now is a really sad film <laughs> about a cowboy who's just goddamn angry at everything and angry at the world. Dealing I, with that toxic masculinity. <laughs> dealing with a lot of toxic masculinity. And that's no trait against the film. I think the film is, is really phenomenal and really well made. I just don't think that's what people really want to pick for best picture. I think they want something with a little more joy and happiness behind it this year. But that's my long rant, Ben. Tell me, yeah. <laughs> tell me a little bit more about what you're thinking. So I want to go back to your Nightmare Alley point because I, I just feel like I'm telling a puppy dog no every time I talk to you about Nightmare Alley because you love it and I, and I love the passion. I, I really do appreciate it. I don't love that movie as much as you do and, and I kind of am on that boat of like, yeah, I don't think it really deserves really much attention. And I don't know. I I think that it's That's ridiculous. I, I, I <laughs> hey, l- listen, you don't you well, you haven't seen Spencer yet, and I know you don't really want yeah. to see Spencer. You don't really have any It's on Hulu, so maybe I'll throw it on. Right. So like but that but for me, like Spencer is a movie where I feel passionate about. I'm like, this is great. Like this is like cinema. This is exactly sad porn to me is what that is. <laughs> I love sad porn. <laughs> anyway, I don't know. I think that I think it's I love the passion. I get it. Um, so I'm going to put that to his, to the side. I, I love that you're passionate about Nightmare Alley. When it comes to the Belfast and Power of the Dog competition, I just want to throw this out there. There have been 21 movies all time that have had 12 or more nominations. Power of the Dog, 12 nominations this year. 17 of those movies won Best Picture. So let's let that sink in there for a little bit. So that's... That to me is like, whoa, that's the biggest indicator that it's going to happen. The last time, and this is what's going to hurt you if Nightmare Alley, last time that a film with four or less nominations won Best Picture, you have to go all the way back to the sixth Academy Awards <laughs> for Cavalcade, which won Best Picture with four nominations. check out that episode. Yeah. So and if you know about that, well, that wasn't a great movie. That I mean, it's the sixth Academy Awards. It's like it's a long time ago, 1933. So essentially, it's a five-horse race with Power of the Dog, Belfast, Dune, West Side Story, and King Richard. I think we can punt King, King Richard out of there. It got the love because of Will Smith's campaign. It's absurd that it, this film was nominated yeah, for Best Picture, it, it, in my opinion. It's not, it's not a good movie. So we're going to punt that out of there. So we're left I with, don't know if I would say it's not a good movie, but Best Picture worthy? Dude, it's not. No good, way. It's not a good movie. All right. You <laughs> deal with that blowback. I don't know what people are going to say when you say that. Yeah. Well, I'll, I'll deal with that if and when that happens. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I just don't think it's like a good movie at all. Uh, then we have West Side Story to deal with. So West Side Story is the eighth title to be nominated twice for best picture and only two of those 16 films eight times two 16 won. and those were the originals it was west side story and one of our favorites mutiny on the bounty from 1935 so the remake of mutiny on the bounty did not win uh notable ones on there is a star is born the 30 1937 and 2018 version didn't win there's a romeo and juliet from 1936 and 68 didn't win Cleopatra from 34 and 63 did not win and little women as well 33 and 20 and 2019 there are a few more on there but I just want to point that out because that does not bode well for West Side Story so we're left with Belfast Dune Power of the Dog Dune is uh, one of 12 science fiction and I'm going to put air quotes science fiction around it's a very loose term 
that have been nominated for Best Picture, and none of them have won Best Picture. So there's yet to be a science fiction film to win. So we're down again to Belfast, Power of the Dog. I think the argument's really strong for Power of the Dog, but it's going to be Belfast for me. I think it's going to be Belfast. I think it's going to be the one that sneaks in there. The Academy loves uh, references to older movies, especially some Best Picture winners, although High Noon did not win Best Picture. It's arguable that it should have won over The Greatest Show on Earth from 52. So I think that I think it's going to be one of those years where Best Director is one movie, Best Picture is another movie. Um, so we'll see what happens. It's going to be a very interesting and tight race. It's between Power of the Dog and Belfast. I still think it's going to be Belfast, but that I think the the stat of that 21 movies, 12 or more nominations, 17 won Best Picture. It's a really strong case for Power of the Dog. How do you feel about people talking about, you know, Don't Look Up is one of the most watched movies of all time, I think, on Netflix. So we have such a large amount of people. Obviously, the Academy is a pretty small number of people that are voting for these. Uh, could could there be a split vote between The Power of the Dog, you know, between Belfast, where we lead to, like, a third Don't Look Up? Like, I know that sounds crazy to think that is a Best Picture winner, but so th- So that's the other thing that I've been thinking about is the preferential balloting, which I don't like that's preferential balloting for Best Picture. It should just be, you know, however many gets the most votes wins. So I think that if, it, if there is preferential balloting, don't be surprised if Licorice Pizza somehow fucks up it up i don't think it's going to happen but if there's it some wins? yeah wow i would i would just somehow not be surprised if and i don't think it's going to be the case um variety actually has a really good video i'll be shocked if that you could find on variety the video of how they break down how preferential balloting works if you're not if you if you don't know how it works but uh it, it's just something about licorice pizza and, and the hollywood aspect of it it seems like a kind of a weird long shot but because again it's preferential balloting there's something weird about that, but I don't think it's going to be the case. I still think it's going to be between Belfast and Power of the Dog, and I think Belfast is going to come out on top, but we'll see what happens. We never know. We will see what happens. Ben, do you have any closing thoughts on our nominees for the 94th Academy Awards? I'm sticking to what I gave for our 2021 recap. Kristen Stewart, Best Actress for Spencer. If it doesn't happen, I'm going to, I don't know. I'm not going to do really do anything. I'm just going to scream about it and cry about it in my room, so. that's pretty much it i'm not gonna do anything consequential (laughs) well the 94th academy awards will air on sunday march 27th 2022 we have a little more than a month away like we said about six weeks so we're counting down the days you know subscribe and and like and check out our youtube channel worthy podcast go to instagram worthy podcast where we'll be doing a oscar giveaway so take a look at that uh we'll be announcing that soon in the next month or so so take a look yeah ben is there any any last goodbyes you have for these nominations? Mauricio, why? You make me cry. You make me cry. Mauricio. Anyways, I'm Ben. And I'm John. And, and this, this is Worthy. Thanks for listening to Worthy, the breakdown of every Best Picture winner from past to present. You can listen to us wherever you get your podcasts. Check us out on Instagram at Worthy Podcast, on Twitter at Worthy Pod, and on Facebook at Worthy Podcast. Any inquiries can be submitted to worthysubmissions at gmail.com. Again, that's worthysubmissions at gmail.com.